I would change the point to make everybody more and more process-centric. That, is, that should be your number one way to look at things. Technology will change. People will change. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. What you are about to hear is a live show recorded at CISO XC 2022. It's my favorite conference to attend each year because it's put on by a group of CISOs for the rest of the security community. And this particular group of CISOs who run this conference are a great bunch as well. You've heard some of them on the show, like Randy Potts and Cecil Pineda, who have been on previous shows. This year, I was lucky enough to get two very smart and very gracious guests, one of whom you've heard before, George Finney, the CISO at SMU, who's written a number of books, two of which are cybersecurity books. And joining George and I for the first time on the ranch is Robert Pace, the CISO at Invitation Homes. And he's another author as well. He's been a CISO, a big four consultant. He's worked in data services, the payment card industry, textiles. He's done a lot in cyber. But what is amazing is that his book is not, in fact, a cybersecurity book at all. So sit back and enjoy a fantastic conversation with two very interesting folks in cyber, both of whom are authors and who are talking to us about the entire process of writing books. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. So let's start talking about this whole book thing. Both of you guys have written books. I don't think you can write a book without having some component in your heart and your head about giving back to the community. I don't think people say, I'm going to write a book because I'm going to get stinking rich off this book. I don't think that's the motivation. Now, the giving back thing, it's important to me. That's why I have this podcast, right? I give back. That's, that's how I do it is this podcast right here. But you guys both chose the book route, and I'm really intrigued by this. Um, why did you choose? We'll start with you, George. Why did you choose this particular method of giving back to the community? What made you gravitate towards book instead of I'm going to make a TV show or start a YouTube channel or whatever it might be? So I, I've wanted to be a writer, I think, since the fifth grade. We had a little writing competition. My, my, my fifth grade English teacher was really influential on me. Um, and, you know, I, I, in college, I, I kind of, I had this picture in my head of, you know, uh, uh, you know, going to the bookstore, looking on the bookshelves like this, dating myself, right? But, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to see my name up there. And when I got out of law school back in 08, uh, one of the reasons that I've stayed at SMU for so long is just, uh, I, I knew the quality of life was going to be better, um, and that would allow me to, to, to write books. So I, my, my first book was a sci-fi detective novel, and you know, I wrote, wrote several fiction uh, stories, a movie script, uh, had not uh, 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 made into a movie yet. So call me if uh, if you'd like to option it. Uh, but um, you know, eventually I realized, you know what, my passion is really around cybersecurity, and I really want to bring these two things together in my life. Um, and, and do something that, uh, that I think only I can do, like from my unique uh, experiences, my unique perspective. Um, so, so to me, um, I just feel lucky to, to be able to contribute back uh, in, in, in this way. That's fantastic. So you're a cybersecurity practitioner who's always had a penchant for writing, has always done that on the side, and I guess you, you finally found a way to sort of fuse the two disciplines. Absolutely. I know, Robert, your story's a little more unique because your book is not per se a cyber book, and yet you've definitely also tapped your cyber experience to write your book. Why don't you share a little bit about your story? What, what is your giving back story? Sure, Alan. Um, you know, you're right. It's a little bit different. My journey 
has been on a point. My mother passed away from Alzheimer's, and I put pen to paper and wrote a book about our journey with the stages we went through. Now, how does that tie to a cybersecurity? We've all gone through incident management events, and you have to do all your documentation. You develop policies and procedures, and you have to do all the investigations. So it took that set of disciplines and started just putting pen to paper. And from giving back, uh, every time that someone may say, hey, I enjoyed the book, I knew my mother would be smiling to say, wow, that's nice. You're lending a hand to someone. There's no cure for Alzheimer's, sad to say. Yeah. But if you can help somebody on their journey, oh, that's, that's great. So that's the giving back, and it's a perpetual motion. That's, that's a huge giving back, man. That's, you put a lot of yourself into that one. Right on, right on. All right, so let's start with some basic physics because there's probably some folks out here in the crowd that are thinking about writing a book themselves or have entertained the idea or at least had a passing thought about it. So I'll start with you again, George. How hard was it to write the book? Like how many hours per week? How many weeks did it take? Like your, your last book, like what, what was the effort really? So uh, you know, my, my last book uh, was called Well Aware. Um, it took uh, about three years to write. Um, so you know, in terms of you know, hourly commitment, I mean, probably, you know, about 10 hours a week, including all of the research I had to do. Um, I interviewed a bunch of people for the book to, to kind of, not, it wasn't just about me, I wanted to share their stories as well. So, you know, I, I got to sit down with people like this, the, the CEO of the Girl Scouts, uh, to tell the story of how um, their, uh, uh, you know, their program to create the Cyber Merit Badge program kind of came about. Um, so, you know, hu huge level of effort. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, my, my, my upcoming book, uh, Project Zero Trust, that comes out in October uh, of this year, uh, you know, is one of those stories, you, you know, you hear like a musician, like, oh, this album just kind of came together and it just flowed out of them and they did it in like a day in one take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the publisher actually reached out to me, uh, which never happens, by the way. Um, but they're like, hey, we want you to write this book. Uh, I, I just happen to be good friends with John Kindervog. Uh, who lives here in Dallas, and and he, he and I kind of like met a bunch of times and and, and collaborated on it to to come up with uh, the story, kind of using his methodology and his maturity model for zero trust. Um, I, I knocked it out in in six months. Wow! Um, so took a couple of extra weeks of vacation here and there to uh, to kind of focus on it, but yeah, it 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 just it it was really fast. So I, I think it can happen either way, but. I don't think I would have been able to, to do either one of those books if I hadn't started out writing other books and, and kind of going to writing classes or writers' conferences mm -hmm. and really getting that experience so that I was ready uh, when, when these two projects kind of came around. That's awesome. So six months for one, three, three years for the other. Quite oh, you, a spread. You're good. You're good. <laughs> All right. What do you got, Robert? <laughs> well, mine, it, it was more of a um, therapeutic outlet for me. Yeah that I would start off at about maybe 11 o'clock at night, and Alan, I'm just letting it flow. I wasn't sure what was gonna happen, but it was time, say from 11 to maybe about four in the morning. Okay. And it was just that outlet, so you could get those points out. And, and you know, a strange item for me is, it's almost like a zone you get into, that you're relive, reliving a moment, and you're, you're going through everything. And you can just see it all over again. And you yeah. start typing. And it's going. And before you know it, 
it's a dedicated item that you say, okay, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this is my writing time. Or if I had a thought, I would just put it right down there. So all in all, I would say, man, per week, it would be an easy 20 hours plus. Oh, wow. You know, because... Uh, about three to four months because I will say this, it started off, you put it off for something like slow cooking or smoking a brisket. Yeah, Take your okay. time with it. Let it set. Come back to it, right? And that's the way I could just line up all the pieces. I get it. I get it. I'm a brisket smoker myself um, <laughs> on the regular. All right. So how about the biggest challenge you faced in writing your book, Robert? What was like... What was the hardest part? I'm, I'm guessing for you, there's a lot of emotional content. Your book was not a cyber how-to. Your book was not cyber theory. Your book was some serious personal stuff. Being transparent. At one point, because with my mother having Alzheimer's, we as a family didn't know ah. that much about Alzheimer's. And you feel vulnerable letting everyone know that, oh, now you want to write because your mother, you should have not. We didn't. We was very quiet. We didn't want to admit it. So it was a lot of self-denial. But... Once you start, you say, wow, it's not for me. And as I mentioned earlier, if I can help one other person that's going through this with their loved one, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. So that was the point to get beyond the personal point. Know that you're going to help someone who you don't even know. Right. And even if they like a portion or don't like a portion of the book, they know not what to do. So it's goodness on both sides of that coin. One of, my, one of my favorite authors is Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, yeah. And he's got this concept he calls the ring ring, W-R-A-N-G, W-R-A-N-G. And it's somebody who teaches us how to live our life through the negative example of their own life. Oh, <laughs> nice. So, nice. So the yes. whole idea is anybody, even if you think they're getting it wrong, That's is right. teaching you something. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't agree, they're teaching you something, right? So, so George, how about you? Um, what was the hardest challenge for you? I mean, this is obviously with a cyber topic, it wasn't quite as heavy, but... Um, I can't imagine it was just flying out of you all easy peasy either. No. So, you know, and this is probably obvious to, to everyone else in, in, in the audience, but, uh, you know, writing, you know, necessarily means that that time you dedicate to it is going to be spent in isolation. Mm. Um, so, you know, if you're spending 10 hours or, or, or 20 like Robert, um, that, that's time you're not with your family. Um, that's, not, that, that's not time where you're going out, having fun, you know, going to the bar or going to see movies or whatever, uh, that, that's time you're on your own, alone. Um, and, and gosh, that, that really does, I mean, if you're going to set out and take, t- take the time to write a book, there's, there's a cost to that. Um, that, you know, and for me, it, it, like, I, I told my wife really early on, like 12 years ago, um, you know, I, I think this is going to be like therapy for me. Uh, right. And, and honestly, like going through that process, um, I, I, I feel like I've grown so much faster uh, as a human being. Not not like I mean, yeah, yeah I think I, I've become a better CISO because I wrote cybersecurity books because I I challenge my own preconceptions or whatever. Right. Um, and yeah, I think I've gotten better. But I think I've also gotten better as a human being because I, I started thinking about the way that I do things differently and, and why I do things. And I think, you know, that questioning has, has, has changed my life, honestly. Yeah, you're, you're forced to analyze your own processes when you write. So you, you start to analyze yourself. I, I like that. I like that a lot. So, so let's talk about experience thresholds here, because this is another thing. I, I know there's a lot of folks in the crowd that have thought about writing a book, would like to write a book, maybe feel like they're not qualified to write a book, right? And, and I'm going to start with you on this one, because 
you already said you didn't know about Alzheimer's. You That's didn't correct. have the information you needed, and here you are writing a book on it. So my question is, do you feel like you can write a book without having lots of experience on the subject? And I think your answer is a profound yes. Yes, I, I would agree. You can write the book. So anyone, you know, everyone that's listening, you can do it. Make sure that you are pulling forward an experience, being intentful, purposeful, you know, and thoughtful so the user can have something that's useful. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you think about it from that perspective and you don't have to have all the answers, you're just sharing from your perspective. Yeah. And keep yourself open to listening to other folks as you're going down the path. Maybe, especially if you're doing something as I did, somebody may need to refresh your memory about what actually <laughs> happened. Because you, you're so close to something, you may have a little bit of a jaded view to it. Right, so right. if they refresh your memory, oh, that's what really, oh yeah, you're right. I didn't do that. I did this. I, it was a mental block right there. Right, right, so right. I, I think the, the real answer is yes. And all of us as professionals, we deal with so much um, risk where we have to be clear in our documentation. You want to use those skills and don't worry about the final product. Just get your thoughts down and then it will kind of merge. Go back to that um, brisket cooking. Take your time there with you it. Go. Don't try to rush it there because you go. at the end of the day, just like when you give that presentation, you put your signature on it. When you write that book and you have your name on it, that's you and it needs to stand. Right on. I, I love the brisket metaphor. I, let's keep going back to that one. That works for me. Plus, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> so, um, expertise. What do you think? You, you know, I, I've, I've always heard, uh, whether you know, it's college or, or, or what have you, that beginners ask the best questions. Right, and, and they're willing to challenge the assumptions that, that people have been in the business for, for 10 or 20 years can't, can't do. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I see online, uh, you know, uh, people talking about, hey, I'm a SOC analyst, but I, I have some ideas, and, and, and they get shot down by other people, right? For, uh, you know, like, like they can't contribute, and I, I think that's totally wrong, right? Um, if you're a SOC analyst with six months of experience and, and you wanna write, uh, a, a personal story that uh, that other you know people coming into the industry will, will, will help attract new people and to make it approachable and to uh, to to kind of you know say what you wish you knew. I, I think that still has value to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so I, you you can't discount that that value. So I, I don't think there's a there's a minimum level of, of experience to, to write a book. I think you know everyone can capture that. Um, that their unique experience and, 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 you know, again, help other people. That's really what writing a book is about. You know, you're, you're teaching mm -hmm. and anybody can be a teacher, right? You know, that, that, that like, why, why, why would we think that there's a, there's a limit on that? Uh, but yet, you know, we, I, I think it's, it's a little bit of imposter syndrome. You know, we feel like, well, maybe I need to, to, to attain some certification before I get there. And I, gosh, I don't think that's true. I, I like that a lot. There's, um, there's a band called the Macons. You guys have probably never heard of them. Obscure early 90s alternative kind of thing from England. They got a song called Blow Your Tuneless Trumpet. I just, okay. I love that phrase. Like, nice. Just blow it. It's all right if it's tuneless. Just blow it, right? Like all of us have got something to output to the universe. And to your point, I think there's this, anybody can teach, anybody can learn, anybody can pass on a lesson. And, and even, even if folks to me, like, and this is what I tell people who want to get into podcasting, even if you feel like you don't have the experience, you've got a unique perspective that's just yours that somebody's going to pick up value from. 
you, you might be talking about something that other people feel like they're experts in and you're not, but they're still going to hear some twist in your approach that makes it all worthwhile. So it sounds like you guys are saying the same thing for books that I say for podcasting. So, all right, let's, let's, let's get into the brass tacks now. Um, let's talk about money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, so I, I, straight up, podcasting, uh, yes, I make some money. Uh, more than hobby money, I would say. Um, certainly not going to live on it money. Um, but somewhere in between, you know, not uh, you know, somebody dumps a pile on your lap. You're like, hey, that's cool. Um, you know, and I've got expensive hobbies. <laughs> but uh, how about how about the book writing thing? I got a buddy that wrote a book and we actually compared real numbers. We actually one night shared numbers and I, I found out I was actually making more podcasting than he was authoring, which I was really surprised by. Um, but that was also his first book. And I think he's written like four now and like it, it kind of steamrolls. Right. So it, probably he's shot way past me. But. What's your take on the money? Like, is it, and you don't have to share actual numbers. I don't, I don't expect either one of y'all to share actual numbers. Or do if you feel like it, but don't if you don't. Um, but is it worth it from a material standpoint, all that time and all that effort? Did you walk away feeling like, yeah, okay, this was worth it? So, so I, I would say definitely it was worth it for me, but uh, monetarily, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the hole. I haven't made, you've made more money on your podcast than I've made writing five security books. I, I, I oh, already wow. know this. Right, so you know, I'll, I, I, there are different ways of publishing, right? So there's self-publishing. Yep. Uh, so my, my first cybersecurity book, No More Magic Wands, self-published through Amazon. Uh, but guess what? You got to go if you're self-publishing, pay for someone to uh, design a cover. Uh, you need to go hire an editor. Hopefully, uh, you're not releasing an unedited copy of your right. book. Uh, so okay, that's interesting. Um, there are hybrid public publishers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you know the, they'll help you get your book to press, but you need to pay for marketing. Yeah, marketing okay. is expensive. Yeah. Uh, you know, so even you know, so you know, I, I, I got this book deal with uh, with Wiley and Sons, which is amazing. Uh, it even came with an advance, um, which is cool. That's ex- kind of exciting. But again, uh, all, all of the, the the funding that you would go to you know to pay for marketing again, it's it's. Uh, it's I, I, I've not made a you know a positive dollar yet. Okay. Uh, you know it's been a good tax write off, I guess. Um, <laughs> yes. But you know th- there are other rewards, right? So you know you know is it going to help you in your career? Yeah. Uh, is yeah. it going to help you get you know you know a, a higher level job or to get your your name out there in a different way? Um, I, you know I, I think there are other ways to think about marketing, but also on the downside. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who are going to try to take advantage of you as an author. Of course. Um, so, you know, you got to watch out for scams, marketing scams. Uh, you know, hey, we saw your book. You know, you self-published on Amazon. We'll help get you into stores or whatever. Uh, you know, you got to be really careful about where you invest your money um, and, and make sure you're finding legitimate folks to, to you know, to, to work on your editing or whatever. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of pitfalls there as well to, that could make it a, a financial risk, frankly, for a lot of folks. Okay. How about you? You know, I'll tailgate on, on what George mentioned, that mine has not proven to be where I can retire from the job. Yeah. You, you, you yeah. can't do that. <laughs> but there is a richness, Alan, that you get from... Uh, that feeling of richness when you can, you know, helping folks along the way, as I mentioned earlier, that has been a very fulfilling point. And another offshoot has been, you know, my sister, she lives in Atlanta on the front cover of the book. It is a picture of her home with the door half open. That is the, I understand you forgot to say goodbye. It's that symbolic yeah, yeah, element. Yeah, yeah. 
She's been asked to go speak at different areas there. And when you can help somebody else in the family, go talk about an experience, and the more the family talked about the experience, the better we became. So it was a therapeutic, not just for me staying up late after yeah. 11 o'clock, right? Yeah. But when yeah. they can share and we're working. So uh, the printed copy went out, and then it was um, maybe about a year and a half later, it went to audio, and we took the time to find someone. Oh, nice. Um, that was good, and just to make sure I'm out there, but it was new. I'm cyber. I don't yeah. know anything about the marketing right, side. Right, so, right. you know, I did it for hopefully over time. You know, it may be something, but uh, I, if I could just have the idea that, man, you're talking to a couple of groups. And I'm the rookie in that Alzheimer's field because there's a whole lot of organizations yeah, out there. Yeah. You're this cyber guy. Who are you? You know, you, yeah. where's your credibility? <laughs> yeah, you right. Know? Um, so it's hard to break in there because that's not my field directly. Mm -hmm. um, so the richness is when one, two people can say, hey, I remember this part of the book. Or you helped me out. Or somebody just looks at me, may not say a word, and just shake my hand yeah. and nod their head. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, uh, that feels really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, but I do want folks to go buy the book. I just don't want to. <laughs> I was about to say the motivation is giving back, and I'm totally. I think all three of us agree the the primary motivation is giving back. But it doesn't hurt to have money. Yeah. And you know, it's a uh, best of luck to you on yours. You're gonna get there, man. I know you're gonna get maybe, there. Maybe one day. Your books rock. So, you know, it's. I'm thinking about a buddy of mine who's a film director. He um, he did a couple of shorts that went to Sundance, Slamdance, this kind of thing, and then he just decided to tackle feature length film. Out of the blue. He'd never done one before. He was a nobody, just a guy that wanted to make a movie. He decided to do a baseball documentary about Doc Ellis. I don't know if you guys remember yes, him. Yes, yeah. um, um, yeah. Pittsburgh Pirates. Yes. Used to pitch, and Jackie Robinson wrote him the letter that, you know, the torch has been passed to you, and like, but also pitched a no-hitter on acid. Like, guy was an interesting character, very interesting character. And my friend Jeffrey decided he's going to do a film about this. And he started working on it, started using Twitter very aggressively. Like, I had no idea what a powerful tool Twitter could be. He ended up getting Ad-Rock from the Beastie Boys to do his soundtrack. He ended up getting Ron Howard to be in his documentary. Nice. And he ended up putting together this gorgeous film. He ran into trouble you know, here and there on the money because you know, you're self-financing the entire project with a film. And I helped pitch in some money, so I'm officially an associate producer or some, some something there. Um, but once he finally made it, he got it, he did it. It was this gorgeous thing. They showed it at all these film festivals. Uh, ESPN picked it up, HBO picked it up, Netflix picked it up. And he found this guy who was like the industry expert on how to get your film distributed worldwide. This guy was a complete scam artist. And this guy burned him for pretty much every single dollar he was ever gonna make on that movie. Like he walked away after all this effort of years of effort, all these great victories, HBO, ESPN and everything, he came out net negative because of this guy ripping him off. Ripping him off. And you know, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. And I, I had no idea that the publishing industry was doing the same kind of crap. And after much research on this guy, we found out like, oh, he's done this before. Like, but at a glance, cursory research, he was totally legit. He was the guy. Um, so that's just, it's a parallel to your story that just, it's crazy to me. You get creative and there's, there's leeches, you know? There's always leeches. Let's pause right there and hear a brief word from our sponsor. Howdy, y'all. Asset management for IT and security sure ain't easy. And our networks are fixing to get more complex. But I reckon there's a better way of doing things, and it starts with Axonius. Axonius helps you lasso everything in your environment, devices, users, software, and more, to provide an always up-to-date inventory, uncover gaps, and automate action. 
You want a free walkthrough of the platform? Head on over to axonius.com slash get dash a dash tour. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com slash get dash a dash tour. So if somebody wants to write a book, what's the best piece of advice you've got for them, George? So I, I have two pieces of advice. Uh, the, the first is you've got to know who you're writing for, right? Is it, is it for someone in cybersecurity? Uh, is it for someone just in, in IT generally? Uh, are you writing the book for executives that need to know something about cyber, right? Knowing your audience is, should dictate how you write the book, like what tone to take, whether you use technical jargon or not, right? That, that you, you've got to know your audience, right? Okay. And I, I think, you know, people have an idea for your book uh, before they think about the audience, right? So it's, it's got to go really hand in hand. Um, but the next piece to that is cool. So you've got an idea, you know, your audience, what, what unique, what, what's unique about you and your experience and, 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 and your idea uh, that, that, that's different from everybody else, right? What's the, you need to write the book that only you can write, right? Don't, don't write something generic that, you know, is a memoir that, that uh, you know, gosh, isn't going to add anything, right? You want to find something, um, and, and, and gosh, I, I, like well aware, I'm incredibly passionate about security awareness. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think we're all really frustrated with how, you know, security awareness training, you know, is going and, and kind of the, the, the mediocre options that are out there and, and how expensive it is uh, for those mediocre options. So, okay, you know, if, if there were going to be something, you know, around security awareness that, uh, that would be, uh, make a difference, how would we, how would we know? What, how, how would we measure that? And so that's, that's where the nine cybersecurity habits came from is like, okay, well, we, the metric we want to use is behavior change. Okay, well, how would we measure behavior change? Well, I think, you know, we break it down. 50% of human behavior is based on habit. Uh, and so, well, you know, okay, I think there are these different habits. Um, that's the genesis of that book. And I think that's a really different way of looking at security awareness. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, gosh, from the, I mean, from the reception that I've gotten for that book, I think it's really opened a lot of minds to, to what we could do potentially differently. I, I, I think that is an example of how to, how to approach a topic in a, in a novel way. Um, and, and gosh, if you're, if you're out there thinking about you writing your book, again, think about your background. Think about what makes you unique. Um, and you know, th thinking about Robert's experience, you know, again, that's a really personal story. Um, and, and every book, I, I think, should come start at least with that nugget of th th this, this is that personal thing that I'm bringing to the conversation. Yeah, this is, what, this is my experience. And it's not anyone else's, it's yours, right? Start there, right? So how about you, Robert? What do you think? You know, at that point that purposeful, intentful, and it has to be useful. I mean, George was saying the same point. Mm. It has to have a purpose. Um, I noticed that I also brought in a point, sorry to put these cliches out there, but it's an item I use even in work now. We're doing reports, you know, the three C's, clear, crisp, concise. Mm. And the chapters are short. I even have a little writing space on the side for you to put notes in because as you're going through these life events, man, May will look different than June. Yeah. Just because of the human element involved. Yeah. So you, as a, the folks that's out there, you're in cybersecurity, you're doing cybersecurity awareness, and that point really, hey, how are folks going to consume this? 
what is needed. How do you add that value to it? Think about it from that point and just get down and start writing and um, get a beverage of choice. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, figure out if you're going to start at 11 like I did and just write through the night, you know, put some music on and just start banging on the keyboard. Don't worry about it, how it's going to flow at, until you get together and look at the different chapters. Mm-hmm. And I would mm-hmm. even save the front of the book, uh, but kept it in the family, gave everybody the project. My little nephew took a picture of the front door. Yeah. Um, I had my sister, hey, what do you think about these color schemes? And we designed the cover of the book. Nice. So it was a project, you almost feel like a PM sometimes. <laughs> hey, I need you to look at this and get back to me by this time. But everybody can do it. Your skills, you have no idea the amount of skills you learn in cyber as far as your documentation ability. Yeah, yeah. That can be helpful. Critical thinking, pivoting views. Yes. Like, like one of the things we have to do in cyber is you always have to think like the bad guy. Correct. We teach ourselves to think from a different perspective, like like this. Just at the click of a finger, you should be able to pivot and go, well, if I was a bad guy, I'd do X. That can't be anything other than a useful tool in writing. On that item, there is one point in the book we talk about um, seniors being susceptible. Mm. Somebody will call them over, and I say, well, what's Speaking going of scams, on? Yeah. Oh, they said that they need all my Social Security. They can't, they're trying to help me. Mom, no, they're not. They're not trying to help you. Now, you got to give a message to someone that is trusting and believing. They're getting fished, right? Right, right. Um, But they're at the age where they're trusting. But they said that they wanted to help me. No, they don't want to help you. So, and that person cannot relate to the current time, so therefore you have to help them. When you're at work, you're helping folks. No, don't respond. Don't even tell them a piece of your mind as far as, don't send me that again. No, don't do that at work. So when you're thinking about your book, if it's a life event book, Talk about that again, purposeful. Yeah, okay. Getting into it, leaning into it, and um, again, get a beverage of choice, spend some time, just start banging on the keyboard and store it up and just go back to it. It's that brisket again, right? There you go. <laughs> I'm loving the brisket metaphor, man. I'm loving it. So, all right, let's imagine that Randy Potts, who's sitting here in the front row, wants to write a book. Are you going to tell him do it, or are you going to tell him, oh, God, run away? Start with you, George. I, I would first ask Randy why he wants to write the book, mm. right? Um, you know, what, what's your goal? What, what, do you, what do you want to do? Oh, oh, so, so you're just insane. Uh, then, then writing a book is perfect for you. So, so you know, I, I mean, again, you, you, if you're going to really spend, you know, 10, 20 hours a week for the next three years... Right. Th- think about what you could accomplish with. And, you know, I mean, I, if you know, I, I think about video games. Right. So, you know, the, the latest video game comes out uh, and it's got a thousand hours of content in it. Yeah. Right. OK, cool. You're going to spend the next you know, six months, a year on a video game. I, honestly, like, OK, thinking of it in that terms. I, you know, if, if I write a book, I, I've got something that, that I can come back to and I, I, I can look back at the end of my life and say, I, I, I accomplished something, I made a difference, hopefully. Um, I think it's really good. But you do, like Randy, have to be crazy uh, to, 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 to sit down and, and, and kind of jump after that kind of project and, and to think you... Uh, you know, you're 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 just gonna do it, uh, and and man, I, I mean, I think we need more dreamers out there, okay. uh, and and you know, I think it's really good. Uh, so be a little crazy, in other be, words, be a little crazy, you know. Uh, but man, uh, you know, gosh, it, it, it's it, it is an overwhelming thing. You're not gonna make money on it. 
Uh, so ask, you know, ask yourself why. Like really know that in your heart that 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 you you absolutely have a vision for where this is going to go, and 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 come back to it. Write write it down. Um, you know, get a vision board. Uh, I, I I don't have a vision board, but um, you know that's. Uh, that's I think the level of commitment you're, you're, you're making to yourself and, and I think yeah. before you jump into that definitely know, you know what, what you're getting into and why, why you're doing it okay so I play MMORPGs or as uh, our, our friend in Australia calls them Momorpagas um, they're time consuming you invest you're, you're spending a lot of creative energy uh, you basically for those who don't play RPGs online the massively multiplayer RPGs basically what they do is they create a system that is attempting to be in balance. And your job as the gamer is to try to imbalance the system and find something that works in your favor. So they design it to where, whatever, dwarves and elves and barbarians and clerics and everybody all have roughly equal capabilities. And your job is to learn the system so well that you can figure out it's, it's hacking. It's basically just hacking. You're like, okay, I'm gonna create a character that has this bit and that bit, but I'm just gonna skip these three bits they expect me to get, and I'm gonna go grab these three bits over here instead, and then I'm gonna add this gear that they don't expect me to add, and then da 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 and now I have this character that's super overpowered and can super win the game without any hassles or effort. You can spend hours and hours and hours of your life doing this. And then as soon as you figure that out and, and build that character and are successful at it, they immediately turn around and, and change the rules so that that character is no longer effective and you have to start all over again. So it's a creative pursuit. It's the same skill set as hacking, yet at the end of the day, you own nothing, and all you've contributed to is a video game that someday is going to just get turned off, and it'll all be a memory. So, so that metaphor resonates with me, because at my worst, I could dive into those games and just spend hours and not even think about it. So, so the idea that I could do something different and actually give that a creative output, something that lives, right? Your books live. Yeah. Books live long past people, right? So maybe I'll, I'll quit gaming and I'll start writing a book is kind of where I'm, I'm at on that one. But Robert, what's your take on all this? What's, what's your advice? We'll, we'll go back to Crazy Randy in the front row. So Crazy Randy. Do you tell Randy, him to write his book or not write his book? Um, I would say when you want to write a book, remove your pride. Ah. Because it will get hurt if you keep it out there. Everyone's not going to like what you write. Yeah. And maybe the editor just carves up a section. Mm. Um, and you know what you're trying to express, but just think, we're coming from the cyber perspective. We don't write like the guys that are ma have majored. Well, maybe some of the guys in cyber came up in, you know, English major, but most of us, was, was in, you know. How do we take that and say, wait a minute, um, this is a new craft for me. Yeah. If we was talking about a security awareness program, I could eat that guy's lunch. But right. now I'm in their realm. Right. I need to look at this as being helpful. So, Randy, be very cautious on how your pride is out there. Don't wear it on your sleeve. Tuck okay. it away. Let folks help you along the way. Um, and don't do it for the actual dollar initially. It has to be something that's going to be, again, useful for someone because... If someone reads it, one is happy. Uh, think about a match in a matchbook. Sometimes you need that one match to catch fire. Then the rest of it will flame up. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. got to start with one. You got to go ahead and do the work. And somewhere down the way, it could be good. And the point about living on, I put a couple of pictures, a few pictures of my mother in the book. So her face, yeah. name, can continuously live on. And she, she probably look at me. Baby, I've never been on a shelf at a bookstore before, so that's, that's all right. You know, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that where you can get a small victory. Um, yeah. For me, that small victory was 
when that box arrived and I could see it in print, I said, oh, wow. It's this thing. It's yeah. physical. It's in your I hands. Mean, it was that personal moment. I, I went, oh, this is cool. It's a victory inside. I'm going, wow. You know, it has your name on the cover of it. Let's all be frank. It's your name is on it. And then, and then you're calling all your friends and giving them free copies. <laughs> look at this. Look at this. Check this out. It's got I mean, my name on it. It was a good feeling. I don't think that's what the author feels. You know, it's a good feeling. You, that's that personal, oh, so being up late at night after you left, wow, that looks cool. You know? That's so, cool. That's cool. In writing, they say, you know, you got to be willing to kill your darlings, mm. right? So, yeah. you know, e easily, you know, 50% of what you write is going to get left on the cutting room floor. And, mm. and being prepared for that, you know, trying to have that objectivity that, uh, man, I mean, I, I worked with a really, really great editor on Well Aware, and you know, she she told me I had this great story about uh, my mom that was really you know I, 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 it was about security, but it wasn't about cybersecurity. And the yeah, editor okay. was willing to be like, you know what, I'm going to challenge you on this. Like, I don't think we should we should cut this. Okay. And I was like, ooh, you know what, you're right, but that hurts. Right. You were um, proud of that moment, yeah, that section. And, and man, I, so you know what, I, I think yeah, losing your pride, dude. Yeah, that's that's also yeah key. Okay, okay, lose your pride. All right, so I got one last question I ask every guest. I'm going to ask both of y'all in order. I'll start with Robert this time. You get a magic wand. Somebody gives you a magic wand and says you can wave it and you can change any one thing about the cybersecurity world. could be the practice, the craft, the people, the process, the technology, the ecosystem. You can change anything about cybersecurity you want. What do you change? I would change the point to make everybody more and more process centric. That, is, that should be your number one way to look at things. Technology will change. People will change. But the process lives on. I, my analogy is if you have a good process in the program, college football, we're in the football season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, boom, they're leaving. But the program keeps channeling on right. and on. So the process, understanding that and get well engaged in that because that allows you to have better discussions with everyone you're trying to collaborate. You're not always talking ones and zeros and it allows you to really have a discussion without disclosing a lot because you're talking process, not the secrets of XXX. You're just talking process. If we could get more process-oriented, I think it would be great. I love that. That's, that's, that's one of the most original answers I've heard of that question. How about you, George? So, you know, one of the things they don't tell you about writing a book is, uh, you know, you, people are going to want autographs for the uh. book. Um, and so, like, I, 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 every, you know, every time I write an autograph, I, I'll, I'll write securities in your DNA. Nice. Um, and, you know, I mean, there, there's this thing I, I, I talk about in the book, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, you know, the foundation, you know, food, water, shelter, right? Um, but also a part of the foundation is safety and security. Mm -hmm. Everybody I know in the cybersecurity world um, gets into it but because we want to be able to make a difference, right? right. We're right. actually helping with that foundation of, of security. And yet, I, you know, the, the unofficial motto of, of the, the industry is people are the weakest link. Yeah. And yet, you know, we say, you know, the problem exists between the keyboard and, and chair. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I, I think if I could change one thing about the industry, it, it, it would be to change that perspective, right? We're here to help people. We're, we're here, it's all about people, and I think embracing that empathy 
Um, I, I, I think we, we, we would actually start to have a lot of success in, in, in building communities and bringing people into the cybersecurity world and not making it so, so scary. Yeah, empathy is so valuable. All right, well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, folks in the crowd. Y'all be good now.